Why are RV vents and escape hatches so confusing? This is Eric Stark with the Smart RVer Podcast, delivering the smarts you need to enjoy the freedom of the RV lifestyle without the fear of breaking down. Living the RV life. You know, that's a lifestyle that some people choose. Some people are forced into it out of necessity these days. And what I mean by that is, you know, many people will be building a home and they're going to live in an RV while their house is being built. They've sold everything. They buy an RV, they buy some land and start building. And that's pretty cool when they can do that or when someone can do that. And it really shows the versatility of an RV, how it can be that home while your home's being built. And it's pretty comfortable doing that. And so there's things they would have to do to adjust, you know, living in an RV for six months, a year, two years, you know, it's different than living in a house. And if you sold your home and now you're living in your RV while your house is being built, of course, you can have things in storage. It's not going to be the same, but it's very doable and it can be very comfortable at the same time. And you're right there next to your house while it's being built, whether you're having it built or you're doing it yourself, it makes it real nice. Now, I know in some areas, people are being forced to live in RVs because the price of rental properties has gone up so much. Or they sold their home and then now they realize they can't afford to really buy a house right now. They have to wait, maybe save some more money. In some cases, people are being forced into an RV out of necessity. And that's not always a good thing, you know, especially if you weren't planning on it. Maybe uh, your landlord, you're renting a house and you're paying, I don't know, $2,000 a month rent. And they decide to raise the rent up to 3000 or 3500 And, you know, it's really not that uncommon anymore. In some areas, it's, it's doubling, it's tripling. Rent is going through the roof because housing prices have gone up so much and there's a shortage of properties. So the RV lifestyle now can be forced upon someone. So in that case, the person might have some money in the bank and they go out and buy an RV for what they can afford. And sometimes it's not always the best RV. It needs a lot of work. But you know, if you find yourself in that situation or you know someone's in that situation, really it's not the worst place to be. They do have a roof over their head. They have a house basically. And when things level off, or they find new work or a new place to live. They quite often can get out of that RV and back into a house into normal living conditions. Now, some people have decided that that's just how they're going to live from there on out. You know, maybe there's a single person and they say, this will work for me. And they kind of enjoy it. They turn it into that RV lifestyle. They're not regretting it. You know, my point here is the living the RV life sometimes is a choice we make. Sometimes it's thrown upon us, but either way, we want to take advantage of it. Even if we're living in an RV just to have our house built, take advantage of it. It's a cool lifestyle. And if the RV isn't set up permanently, you know, why the house is being built, maybe you can take it and do a little bit of traveling or when the house is done, go on some trips and enjoy it for a while. What I hear quite often are people, as soon as the house is built, we're selling the RV. Well, take advantage of it. Use it while you can enjoy the RV lifestyle, whether it's been thrust upon you or it's by choice. Now we're coming up to the part of the show that, as I always say, I enjoy this part because we're going to get into repairs and maintenance. And today we're going to talk about roof vents. Why are roof vents and escape hatches on RVs so confusing? So what do I mean by that? 
generally RVers have a hard time ordering the right part, getting the right lid to replace the one that's on the RV, not understanding that there's more than one type of vent out there. There's more than one lid. So it makes it confusing. And actually, when you look at it, like in a store, if it's where you can see all the parts, you'll notice that there are several styles of lids. I think we have five or six different lids for the vents. There's different operators, you know, the mechanism that raises and lowers the lid. The hinges are different. The lids are different sizes and configurations. Then, of course, there's different brands. There's Ventline. There's Elixir, which is now owned by Hangs, H-E-N-G-S, and Jensen, which Elixir bought Jensen many years ago, and now Hangs owns Elixir and Jensen. So it's basically down to two brands, Ventline and Hangs, if you will. And then, of course, on the lids, there's old style, there's new style, and they, they look pretty close. It's just a different style. And now I'm not talking about the high-powered vents like a fantastic fan. These are your regular, what are called 14 by 14 vents on your RV. Now, with that being said, there's a lot of common sizes, if you will. You know, I hate using the word common, standard, because it's on an RV, there's really not a whole lot that's standard other than the tires are black. That's sometimes about the only thing standard on an RV. So if we look at Hangs and Elixir, they have six different escape hatches. Actually, five different escape hatches, six different lids. 13 by 20, a 15 by 22, 17 by 24, 22 by 22, 26 by 26 old style, 26 by 26 new style. And those numbers I just rattled off... I know you're not keeping up with that because you're probably driving or doing something, but those numbers don't match the cutout size on the roof. They don't match the size of the lid itself. Those are call-out numbers, okay? So don't confuse them with measurements. And I'm going to have a breakdown of this on our website, thesmartrver.com, under this podcast number 91, so you can see this, and it'll actually help you if you have to purchase one. Then Jensen has four different escape hatches 29 by 16 29 by 18 29 by 22 and 29 by 26 now the 29 by 18 is not a very common one you probably don't have that if you have a jensen then Ventline has a 14 and a half by 21 and a half and a 24 by 24 now the beauty of those two are they've been discontinued many years ago they were done away with so that leaves a hole in your roof if you will in some cases but we'll get into that a little more in depth in just a few minutes here so now let's start talking about the most common vent and lid that is asked for today it's the 14 by 14 so the 14 by 14 vent is what is dubbed as the standard size vent that's on most rvs so that would be enclosed trailers horse trailers fifth wheels motorhomes you know trailers that sell food coffee that's just a common size vent standard like i said you know that's a a term in rvs it's not really a good term so 14 by 14 is the hole in the roof there's one good thing about that it's a 14 by 14 hole in the roof and any vent that's that is that smaller vent will fit in that hole. So if you have an elixir, you can put in a Jensen. If you have a Jensen, you can put in a vent line. And vent line still makes the smaller vents, the 14 by 14 style. Now the 14 inch is not the lid size. The lids are usually 13 and a half, 14 inches, 14 and a half, 
kind of depends on how you measure it, what shape it's in. You know, I wouldn't go by measuring a lid, trying to replace it. I would go by what the hinge is. The hinge is the identifier that's the absolute fail safe. If the hinges are the same on the new lid and the old lid, then it's a match. Nothing else matters. The operator doesn't matter. The base doesn't matter. The hinges are not interchangeable. So if you have a vent line with a what they call a, a new style hinge, that will not work on a elixir with the old style hinge. It will work on a vent line. Now, vent line and elixir, as I say that, they do both have a lid or a vent with the exact same hinge. And they're both called a new style hinge or a universal hinge. And it's not really universal. It just works on two different vents. The elixir works on the vent line and the elixir. Vent line looks on their own and elixir. Now, if that didn't have you confused, just hang on. I'll keep it going here. But anyway, the hinge is the fail safe. So the size might get you into the right department of a store or on the internet, but it's not going to solve your problem. And sometimes the lid is gone. It blew off or it's broken in half. You're missing a piece. It's warped out of shape. So it's not, that's why it's not good for measuring. The hinge is just the ideal way to go. So if you have to replace the lid and the lid is gone, let's say it blew off. Noticed, Hey, I, I don't have a lid up there anymore. So take a picture of the part of the hinge that is still on the vent base. So this might entail getting up on the roof or a ladder next to the side of the RV where you can see the hinge. Don't try to do this from the inside of the RV. Quite often it's not good enough. It's hard to tell sometimes what other pieces are in there and what they look like. You know, sometimes it can be identified, but it's just much easier to take a picture of the hinge on the vent on the roof. So you take that picture and now that becomes the guide to buying a new one. So, you know, the hinge that's on the, on the base of the vent is going to be opposite of what will be on the lid. So you're not looking for an exact same thing. You're looking for the opposite where they work together, but it does need to be the exact opposite for it to work. Then if you still have the lid, it's still in, you know, pieces or you have the hinge anyways, you have something Take it to the store and use it for a guide or take it to your computer and use it for a guide for buying one. I'm talking about this stuff because it's just from experience and it's such a confusing thing and none of the vents are marked. They don't have the name on it, vent line, 14 by 14, lid number. They don't do that. It's a guessing game. And so that's where you're your expertise, learning to be the expert makes it easier and keep track of what you buy and put on your RV. That also helps too. You know, if you can save the part number or the receipt, something, so you have it down the road, then you don't need a picture or anything or save a picture, you know, take a picture of the new lid before you put it on. Okay. So that's just, you know, being prepared. And sometimes that's easier said than done. You're trying to get the job done and you're not focused about you know, on worrying about the uh, future of replacing that lid again. Now, let's expand this conversation now to escape hatches. You know, they're bigger. They can be rectangular in shape or square in shape. And escape hatches are larger, so you can climb through it to escape your RV if it catches on fire or some other catastrophe takes place and you need to get out quick. Now, some RVs have windows that can be used in an emergency that are similar to the functionality of an escape hatch. You know, there's a red lever on the window or a latch, and you can push it. Same thing you'd find on a, 
escape hatch. You push it and the entire escape hatch opens up and you just flip it over on the roof or the window will actually swing out. Some of them pop off, but they can also be used, you know, an escape hatch or escape window can be used for just letting fresh air in. Now, one thing to keep in mind here, escape hatches are a necessity, but thinking about the sizes of some of them, you know, 13 by 20, 15 by 22, 17 by 24, it might be a little difficult to get out of one of those. And if you get out, let's say your RV does catch on fire, you know, you need to get out quick because that RV will be engulfed in flames in, you know, a couple minutes. They go up fast. Newer ones probably won't be as bad as an older one, but you want to get out. You don't want to hesitate. And quite often the doors on an RV is in the front of the RV, not near the beds. Some RVs have two doors and I like that one in the bedroom and one in the front. That way you can get out because, you know, realistically, if you have an escape hatch or a window, let's just focus on escape hatch. You open that thing up. If you can climb through it, not just because of your physical size, but maybe because it's so much higher trying to get up to it is and getting out is very difficult. Then you get out, if you get out, and then you're on the roof, your RV's on fire, what do you do? You can hang off the side and drop, you can jump, you can do whatever, but you will probably have broken bones, cracked bones, something will go wrong. You will be in the hospital, not because of fire burns or you know burns, but because of injuries you sustained from getting away. So plan how you're going to do that. You know, um, I jokingly say this, but I'm half serious about keeping an axe in an RV or a sawzall that is battery powered so you can just cut a hole in the side of the RV and get out or take an axe to the side and get out. You know, an axe would go through an RV pretty quick because you need to get out quick. Now, I'm not saying you go out and do that, but that's um, certainly a way to make an escape hatch or escape hole and get out. Now, escape hatches also come in different sizes and brands. Now, these can be confusing or very confusing as well than the more confusing than the 14-inch vents. There are some that have been discontinued. There's old style, there's new style, and the old style, new style have subtle differences. For example, the Hangs Elixir 26 by 26 lid is available in an old style and a new style. And the difference is in the hinge itself that's attached to the lid, that half of the hinge. One of them is a little bit taller, and that's why it makes the lid a little bit taller than the other one. And they're not interchangeable, but unless you're paying attention, you want to notice it. They have the same C-style type that you know slides over to the opposite and on the base. So you have to pay attention to that, and quite often that's missed. In fact, people that order vents on our website or call us trying to order a vent, 90% of the time they're getting the wrong one. They don't know how to do it. And so we walk them through the process to make sure they get the right vent and vent lid, you know, right out of the gate. We don't want to have to redo it, reship anything. And we know there's it's time involved, expense, and a hassle. We help them get that figured out. So there's some differences there, and sometimes they're not visible. Then Elixir and Jensen, they both have a 22 by 22, but they have different hinge styles, so they're not interchangeable. And the lids are a little bit different. So you have to pay attention to that. Now, another problem that's faced by RVers is vent line and their 24 by 24 inch vent and then the smaller one, which was 24 by 15, I believe. Those have been discontinued. So the 24 by 24 is the most popular one out of those two. You know, there's probably 100 to 1 of the 24 compared to the other one. So it's discontinued. So if the lid goes bad, 
you're not going to find a lid. In fact, we have some of the smaller lids, just a couple of them, and they're not in the greatest shape either. You know, before we sell one, we actually take a picture of it and send it to the customers so they can see what they're getting. Because these vent line lids, they're, they're opaque and they're an odd plastic and they get deformed in the box, brand new. You know, I've seen them come out of the box and they're almost as bad as what was on the RV. But they're discontinued now. And so if you have to replace that lid, quite often the best option is to just replace the entire vent or the escape hatch. So if you're going to do that, you would go with an Elixir 26 by 26. You'll have to make the hole bigger though. The cutout in the roof is not going to be big enough to accommodate a 26 by 26. So you're going to have to cut about five inches out on two sides or two and a half inches all the way around, ever how you want to do that. So the holes can have to be made bigger. Now, if you don't want to cut your roof open and you don't want to break the seal of that 24 by 24 inch escape hatch, it's been on there for years and you looked at it and it's just covered in lap sealant and silicone and whatever else has been put on there and you don't want to mess with it then you you can do there is another option now keep in mind that if you do this option the escape hatch is no longer an escape hatch it's just a hole in the roof that you put a cover on so you could get a piece of sheet metal or sheet aluminum and make a lid for it you could you know go the extra mile and make one that opens and closes you know take a little bit of engineering but it can be done or you can just make a cover out of sheet metal or aluminum and you rivet it on and it doesn't open. It's just a cover to keep the weather out and that's it. So you solved a problem. But just beware that if it doesn't open, it's no longer an escape hatch. So that's kind of the rundown on vents and escape hatches. So the bottom line is to make sure when you order one or you're going to replace it that you have a way to identify the old one. And on the escape hatches, the best way is the cutout size in the roof. That just narrows it right down to which one it is. And you can do the, the lid measurements on escape hatches too. Well, in some cases, I don't know how prepared a lot of stores are, if they have all the measurements and everything we do. And so we can go with several different measurements, the hole in the roof, the flange to flange measurement, which is the flange on the roof on the uh, base of the escape hatch that gets mounted now sometimes it's covered up with silicone and sealant and lap sealant so it's hard to see the edge but that's the way um i like to have two or three measurements so that way we're absolutely 100 percent sure before we ship anything out but that's me you know i believe in doing it that way and it certainly saves time and headache now another thing to consider too is when you replace a vent it doesn't matter if it's an escape hatch a 14 by 14 if you decide you need to do that or it's just you have to do that. They all go in the same way. And everything I'm talking about here is on a rubber roof. It's not going to be on any other type of roof, a rubber roof, because the sealants, I'm going to say, are for rubber roofs. So you would take out your old vent, and you want to be cautious um, that when you lift it out, you don't tear the rubber roof, that it's not stuck to the membrane, and you just yank it, and all of a sudden you got a big tear in the roof. Quite often, though, they just come out pretty simple. Um, the butyl tape that's used for the factory or the uh, putty tape is not sticking anymore, and it just kind of pops right out. Then you have the lap sealant that will still be on the rubber roof. My thinking on is you get off what you can, 
and whatever's left is left. Then on your new vent, you're gonna wanna layer the butyl tape. And I say butyl tape, that's better than the putty tape. You know, I would recommend two layers in most cases. Um, if you feel one layer is enough, then great. But I would recommend two. That makes it a little bit thicker. So when you put in the new screws and tighten it down, it's gonna push out the excess and you're still gonna have plenty of butyl tape under the flange, between the flange and the roof. Makes a nice seal that way. So after you mount it you put all your screws in push the butyl tape out you cut off the excess butyl tape and you can wait a while in case any more oozes out and cut that off and then you're going to finish it up with lap sealant and the lap sealant will go around the edge of the vent and also on the screws so you just cover the screws and the edge of the vent and cover it good you know you know don't hold back make sure it's got a good seal you don't want it to leak that's part of why you're replacing this in many cases so that's it in a big nutshell. Like I said, I'll have more information posted on the smartrver.com under this episode number 91 so you can look at it and it'll help you to understand how to order a vent or replace your lid, whatever it might be. So just go to the smartrver.com, check out episode 91, and it will be there in the show notes. So the next stop, Vacation Destinations in Texas is on the list. So Texas is going to wrap up our wintertime travel places. We've talked about Arizona, Florida, and now Texas. You know, there might be some other places that people enjoy going to in the wintertime, but these are three major hot spots. And so Texas, we're talking about a little more specific, which is the Rio Grande Valley. What we're going to, you know, discuss just a few, a little bit. We're not going to spend too much time on this. So Texas is a cool state altogether. You know what's cool about Texas Everything is just big. You know, Texas is known for everything being big, and that's nice. So Texas has been around for quite a while. The Rio Grande Valley, obviously, has been around for a while. And it's an Indian area, and it was, you know, explored back in the 16th century. And, you know, in the 1750s or so, Spanish settlers occupied the land until the first American settlement came to Brownsville. Back then, it was called Fort Brown. So that part of history has a lot of rich, or excuse me, that part of Texas has a lot of rich history and culture. And so culture and history coming together makes things very interesting. So the great state of Texas is ideal for our viewers. Now, with the culture, there's a lot of culture, or excuse me, traditions and culture that are from the Mexican heritage that, you know, basically, you know, where Texas came from was Mexico. So there's a lot of Mexican heritage there which is pretty cool because whenever I think of a Mexican, I think of great food because I love Mexican food. But you know, Texas is also one of the biggest producers of citrus in the nation, but it's also a, a melting pot, if you will, of Southwestern traditions that come together in Texas. And you know, the overall attitude, as I said, in Texas, everything is bigger and better. And you know, it seems to be that way. I've been to Texas several times and Texas is cool. So, you know, in Texas, you're going to see a lot of cowboy boots. You're going to go to different stores and places and you'll see all the cool little things you can buy. So the Lone Star State has a lot to offer an RVer. Besides nice warm temperatures and a lot of things to do, it's just an ideal place for an RVer to get away in the wintertime, escape the cold from the state that they're, you know, that you live in, that you're trying to get away from to warm up. And, you know, Texas is similar to Florida, Arizona. They have a lot of the similar things to do. There's, you know, places to eat, cool RV parks, everything there, everything you need. You can go to our website, thesmartrver.com, and read a little bit more about the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. 
And of course, this is to whet your appetite. So the ideal thing to do is go online, start planning your trip. And remember, you're going to have to plan in advance. A lot of places fill up early. So you can go to our website, thesmartrver.com, and look at the page under next stop and see a little bit more about this. And also, if you could go to our website and go to the contact us page, let us know what your favorite winter destination is. That would be awesome. And as long as you're there, if you're interested in writing articles for us that we could post on our website and talk about in the podcast, you can do that through the contact us page as well. Now, RV Envy is a section of the show where we talk about awesome products, the kind that make your neighbor envious of your RV, which they might already be anyways, and you keep adding cool stuff on it. Well, today we're not going to talk about any particular products. What I'm going to do is go over an email that came from Richard. So Richard lives in California, and he just recently bought a trailer, and it has some cracks in the tires. And they're not major cracks. There's just a few of them, but the tires, from what the email indicates, are about eight years old. So he wants to know if he can go on a basic trip, nothing real detailed or far, just a local trip. So he, you know, obviously doesn't want to buy tires any sooner than he has to. You know, this email I got a couple of months ago and it's December now. So he doesn't want to buy tires to so just let them sit for the winter time, you know, let them sit for six months. He'd rather buy them, start using them. That makes sense. So if the tires are eight years old, then they need to be replaced, if the tires have been stored inside, you know, they're taken care of during that time, then they're going to be in much better shape than tires that have been neglected. But nonetheless, eight years old, you know, it's pushing it. If it were me and there's a couple cracks on the tires, I would probably take a trip if I wasn't going too far from home. I'd want to keep it very local. And I'd also make sure that the spare is going to be up for the challenge. You know, if you get a blowout, you want to make sure you got a good spare. And the spare could be, you know, in the same shape as the tires or worse. You know, the inspection, too, is going to really find anything that's major. I mean, a couple cracks is one thing. But if you got some major cracks going on or the tires look a little out around because the tread is separating, you got a bigger problem there. And I would also drive a little bit slower to keep the speed down, to keep the tires cooler. And I'd definitely make sure that they're the maximum pressure that is noted on the sidewall of the tire. And I would give them that second, third inspection. You know, sometimes you miss things. Maybe move the trailer. Make sure you are seeing the bottoms of the tires as they roll up. Make sure you're just not missing anything. The valve stems, you know, there's little things here. When the tires start getting old, you got to be careful of that. And then if I were to take it on a trip, even if it's a short trip, 50 miles, 75 miles, 100 miles, I would pay attention to the tires along the way. You know, if I stop for fuel or snacks, bathroom breaks, whatever it might be, I would check the tires. And at the final destination, I would also check them. And the reason why is, you know, if you're trying to squeeze them out a little bit longer, that way you're going to stay ahead of a problem. You know, if you know a tire is starting to blow out, if you see that or starting to separate, the tread is coming off, you know, you can put your spare on and stay ahead of that problem rather than let it blow and damage the RV. You know, you go from a $200 problem to a $1,000 problem, you know, the, or the potential of it because the damage can be so great. So I would take the trip. If it was very local and I'd pay very close attention to the tires, if I was trying to put off buying the tires until springtime or, you know, something of that nature, but I wouldn't put off buying the tires if I was going on a longer trip, if it was going to be, you know, thousands of miles, something like that, a big trip or on really rough roads, things like that, I would just buy the tires. I would just do it and be done with it. 
So that emails from Richard. And if you have questions that you want answers for, send them to me. I always respond to the emails right away. You know, I said this this email is a couple of months old. I responded to Richard, you know, back then, but I'm just sharing it with everybody today. So if you have questions, send them to me and there's a good chance it'll be on the podcast. And sometimes the more I think about it, the answer will expand as well. So go to the smartrver.com website. And this is from last week. There's a link to purchase a GPS tracker for your RV. If you haven't listened to the episode, that'd be a great time to go there. Episode 90 and listen to that episode. But if you use the link to get the GPS tracker, you'll save 10% on the purchase which, you know, all the money adds up, and these GPS trackers are awesome. So check that out at smartrver.com. So thanks for listening to the show. Keep being a smart RVer. And if I don't see you on the road, we can connect at thesmartrver.com.